Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Prenatal care for twin pregnancies is different than for singleton pregnancies. But does it mean that you'll be treated with kid gloves? What kind of testing and procedures can you expect? Do you have to see a specialist? I'm Joanna Adamzak, a perinatologist at the San Diego Perinatal Center, here to talk about prenatal care with twins. This is Twin Talks, episode number nine. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. And another way you can stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app available on the Android and iTunes Marketplace. And I want to turn this over to Shelly, our producer, to talk about our virtual panelist program. If you're interested in staying connected from home, you can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter. We also have a new virtual panelist program. You can use the hashtag TwinTalksVP to join in the conversation. Thank you. And so uh, before we get started, I'd like to go around. We've got um, a full room. We've got panelists here. And uh, let's do a little quick introduction. Um, Just tell us about your family and ages of your kids. Hi, I'm Brandi Wallace. I'm a mother of two spontaneous sets of twins. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Woo! <laughs> I have identical boys that will be four very shortly, and I have uh, fraternal boy girl twins that recently turned one. Awesome. That's my my hats are off to you. I know, <laughs> right? to you. <laughs> it's all I know, people. It's all I know. <laughs> um, and over here we have um, Shelly, our producer. Hi, Shelly Steely. Um, I have two boys, identical. Their names are Grayson and Sawyer, and they're 15 months old. All right, and Sunny. All right, so I am a mom already of two little boys, not twins, um, although they are fairly close in age. One is three. His name's Sayer, which is close to Sawyer, but not quite. Everyone tries to say Sawyer, Shelly, so I kind of feel you on that. Um, but Sayer is almost, um, actually, he's, he's over three years old, and Urban is my youngest right now. He is um, 18 months old, and I'm pregnant with identical twin girls who are due in about a month. So. Woo-hoo. 
everyone thinks down. I'm full term now, you know, because they don't know, the, you know, that it's twins most of the time. And so they're like, wow, you're ready to pop. And I'm like, no, uh, no. I got another month. <laughs> Some of us thanks. got those comments at six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel fortunate. Yep. Though. I, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm your host, Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. And I can say um, Brandy and I were, were pregnant at the same time. So both times. Both times. <laughs> so I know, which is funny. So my girls just turned four and um, and then I have a singleton, thankfully, <laughs> who just turned one. So we were just within months of each other. So um, I, I can say I'm, I'm thankful I have three <laughs> and I've got all girls. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we start today's show, um, let's uh, look at some of the the headlines um, in the news. There was an article that um, mentioned how in Pennsylvania there are some rumors that it will become illegal uh, for for people to touch pregnant women's bellies without consent, um, and this would fall under the the harassment laws. So so basically, if if you know someone came up to you and and touched you and you didn't give them prior permission, um, they could be charged with harassment. So I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I mean, is this is this something that's smart? Um, yeah, I mean, it's form of protection? Or do you think this is just like way over the top and crazy? <laughs> Shelly? <laughs> I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I'm not sure I would actually go as far as to call the police to, I mean, have somebody. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not somebody who really likes to be touched to begin with. Like, I'm not a hugger. I really have to know you before I'm comfortable coming up and getting in your space. And so it was really disconcerting for me to have people just coming up and um, luckily it didn't happen too often with strangers. Um, I I mentioned earlier I'm a teacher so I have a good glare so if they got (laughs) too close I could just kind of give them the eye and that would back them off. Um, But I mean friends and family that's fine but I don't know I mean maybe a little over the top but I think there needs to be more awareness that just because I am pregnant doesn't mean you get to touch my body yeah yeah. at all (laughs) yeah it it almost seems like with with, you know when you're pregnant I mean there's this this open invitation to touch and give advice and there's this sort of warm fuzzy feeling it's like well um and who gave you permission yeah exactly (laughs) I'm on the other end of the spectrum from Shelly I actually didn't mind it I welcomed it I I wasn't walking around sticking my belly out and saying touch (laughs) this but (laughs) (laughs) but at some point I did feel like a Buddha a little everyone (laughs) trying to, to rub but um I, I just felt like they were such miracles and such blessings that I just wanted to share it with anybody. And if they felt like they, you know, could bond with me somehow, a perfect stranger in the grocery store, awesome. and it made their day, I was fine with it. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! You're kind of sharing your experience with that's with it. everyone. That's it. Yeah, it didn't really bother me too much either. But but I have to say that most people I feel, and maybe it's just you know the circles that I run in, are pretty respectful of it. I, I feel like the message has kind of gotten out there a little bit, like back off, you know. Um, so I don't know. At least the people that I come in contact with, the only people that are touching me are the people that I wouldn't mind touching me. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's it, been a really big issue for me. It might me. be a bigger deal if you're someone more crowded. You know, I mean, here yeah. 
like somewhere like on the East Coast where people are like commuting by foot a lot, public transportation in closed spaces, there's a lot more opportunity. I mean, yeah, Southern California, true. we love our cars, right? When are you yeah. ever with yeah. 50 people We're surrounding insulated. you? Yeah. yeah. I think the bigger problem for me is me touching people with my belly. They're going to start to claim abuse from me. <laughs> That's a Whoops, good point. Didn't see you there. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Make way. Yeah. I will say though, it's, even though I'm, I'm, I think the law would be a little silly um especially yeah. how would they enforce it Where, like shelly said would you have to stop what you're doing and call the local police right um I, I actually ask all of my friends my very dear friends is it okay if i touch or i even just announce i'm coming in um, <laughs> just to let them, because I, I do feel there is a there is a respect yeah. thing there although with my belly it was just out there and yeah. I, I didn't care <laughs> look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So today's topic is prenatal care with twins, and we're talking with Dr. Joanna Adamzek, perinatologist at the San Diego Perinatal Center, and she's helped uh, many twin mamas um, over the years. And um, so let's see here. So, um, you know, looking at the prenatal care, and I mean, you're a specialist, so when the twin moms get referred to you, um, it's they've they already know. Okay, this is going to be different than a singleton pregnancy. So, um, so generally, I mean, when when does that usually happen? I mean, so when do um, most of the expectant moms even find out that they're having twins? Uh, usually by about ten or eleven weeks of pregnancy, they'll find out there's twins. So 10 or 11 weeks. So that's pretty, I mean, early on. That's pretty probably early on. Even before, yeah, before we start showing, or, before we even make that official announcement. Sure. From a perinatology standpoint, we really prefer to see twins as soon as possible in the pregnancy because um, it really depends. It's really important how to care for a twin pregnancy when you know what type of twins you are, meaning are they identical or are they fraternal twins? The care is uh, very different for those types of twin pregnancies. So the earlier you see a twin pregnancy, the earlier you could do an ultrasound and kind of diagnose what type of twin pregnancy it is. Mm-hmm. So now out of all of the twin pregnancies, I mean, it's pretty much everyone referred to a specialist or, um, or do some moms, you just get their care through their regular OB. Yeah. I think their care can always be through a regular OB. I don't think a perinatologist needs to uh, necessarily care for the pregnancy. I think we prefer to at least uh, see a twin pregnancy once or twice at least for an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. A big thing that a perinatologist does is ultrasound. So um, while we may not always necessarily do the full prenatal care, um, seeing a perinatologist again for an, for an ultrasound is important, but I may be a little biased. (laughs) (laughs) So Randy and I saw the same OB, and he is a perinatologist, and he actually specializes just in multiple pregnancies. So when I went in for my eight-week appointment to hopefully see a heartbeat, and we saw two, (laughs) the whole conversation changed. It went from what kind of doctor would you like to this is the doctor you will be seeing, um, give him a call. And so 
it was nice just to know that I, my regular doctor could answer all of the questions and he was up on all of the most detailed literature. And because he saw so many special cases, he could reassure me that mine wasn't that special. Yes, <laughs> it's nice not to yeah, be special yeah, in a is. twin pregnancy, yeah. to so, be honest. Um, I, I thought it was great to be able to see somebody who dealt with that on a regular basis. Um, I probably wouldn't have been as comfortable with just a regular OB with how many questions I had. But I think it's personal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some people, I guess they might have a relationship with a healthcare provider and just want to have that continuity of care through that healthcare Absolutely. provider. Uh, but then it sounds like they might be referred to you just for those specialty kind of um, kind of uh, tests. And, and can you, I mean, tell us a little bit more about what's the type of care? I mean, you mentioned ultrasounds. What other kind of testing do you do? So with ultrasound, really it's, um, not just ultrasound to take a look at the baby. So there's different uh, types of ultrasounds that we do throughout a twin pregnancy. We'll do what's called a nuchal translucency ultrasound in the very beginning of the pregnancy, again, around 11 to 13 weeks of the pregnancy. And that um, ultrasound is specifically to look at the back of the baby's neck, which kind of gives us a predictive um factor whether there's any chromosomal abnormalities. So unfortunately twins, um, because there's two of them, are at higher risk for having uh, genetic or chromosomal abnormalities. So again, the earlier you could do that ultrasound, the better. Um, And then after that pregnancy, we like to do what's called a detailed anatomy ultrasound, which is usually at about 20 weeks of pregnancy. Um, And that's to look at the anatomy because twins have higher risk of congenital anomalies, either heart problems or um, spinal problems. And that's, again, not to say that all twins will, but again, this, these are things that you want to be screened for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and also, I think um, in your office, I understand as well, um, there are, besides the perinatologists themselves, uh, there's also genetic counselors as well. Yeah, so we have we have genetic counselors on staff, which definitely helps us out because, you know, it, and I'm not sure if, if this is common, but in, in general, advanced maternal age is considered 35 years, but in twins, it actually is decreased. So <laughs> we're all feeling pretty old here. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> um, you know, so, so genetic counselors really help us to kind of sit down with with, par- with expecting parents and to let them know what types of genetic tests are in- are available. You know, medicine and science is changing so quickly. Now we, you know, we used to only have what's called invasive testing um, for chromosomal abnormalities. So CVS, chorionic villus sample, or an amniocentesis, which, which are invasive. There are risks with those tests. Um, there's risks of miscarriage. Um, fortunately, now we have much better tests that are either screening, that are really screening tests, but, um, you know, with twin pregnancies from a genetic standpoint can tell us with about 99% accuracy, the chromosomes of the babies, which is, which is huge. Wow. That is, that is amazing. Cause I think prior to this, the really only way would be to take samples from the amniotic fluid. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The amniocentesis or a CVS, which is done early in the pregnancy at about 11 to 13 weeks again and where we take basically a little placental biopsy and and test the genetics that way. Wow. Now, did anyone here on our panelists have any of, of these type of tests done? or just So I just none? had the, the nuchal translucency screening combined with the blood work, and then I think they call it the quad screen. Correct. Um, so all the standard blood work. And, and I thought it was great. It was really reassuring because, um, you know, we just kind of wanted to know what, what would be happening with the pregnancy and if there was anything that we needed to know about how it would be managed throughout. So that was really helpful for us. And you can actually, like you said, getting the odds, I mean, getting the paperwork 
back that said there's a one in a million chance that your babies have any kind of chromosomal abnormalities was was good to know so that we could have that kind of sense of you know, just that we knew what what was going on, um, especially a twin pregnancy is scary to begin with. So I think that if there was anything else going on, we really would have wanted to know early so we could get the best possible care. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, now, you know, th- throughout the care, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of different types of tests at different stages in the pregnancy. So um, maybe you can tell I me, mean, when do these tests take place in, in different trimesters and then also in, in ultrasounds I mean does the frequency change with twins yeah. yes <laughs> so the frequency changes a lot with twins um, in general twins we like to do ultrasounds uh, every month so if they're uh, fraternal twins so die die twins brother and sister or, you know sister and sister essentially just sharing a home the uterus um, we like to see those twins every four weeks, and that's just to do the growth ultrasounds and make sure there's not what we call a discordance in, in the growth of the two babies. We um, want to make sure that they're within kind of 20% of each other as far as their growth profiles are concerned. If you have um, monodype twins, which are the identical twins, then those twins really increase in their frequency of ultrasounds. Those, um, now we like to scan every two weeks. Wow. And they're not long, you know, scan. Or just a quick little scan to take a look at a few kind of important parameters to make sure there isn't a development of what's called uh, twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. So mm-hmm. with identical twins, they share a placenta, and with that, they share the uh, blood vessels, and sometimes these blood vessels uh, don't distribute blood flow equally to both babies. So one kind of takes a lot and one gives a lot, and so there's, there's a, uh, a discordance in their growth, and that can be problematic. And so, and when you you recommend having it every two weeks, that's in the second trimester. Yes, that's okay. starting at sixteen weeks gestation. So at sixteen weeks with identical twins, we'll see you every two weeks um, up until about thirty four or so. Weeks. Well, yeah, <laughs> and that's identical twins that share a placenta because not all identicals do. I know it's rare. I think for some identicals to each have their own. Yeah, um, my identical twins have their own placenta. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Well, yeah, I, 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 they didn't yeah. even know. They didn't even know with both of you. Yeah. Guys, so Christine we and, we both had Shelley. we had their they had their own placentas, mm-hmm. um, and so I thought they told me you know that they were most likely fraternal, but there was a small chance they could be identical twins. Um, and we had to do a DNA test to actually figure out that they were identical. But the mm-hmm. egg just split early enough that they implanted separately. Yeah. Very rarely, rarely <laughs> can you have identicals not. We, I've seen it a sharing. lot more than I thought, though. It happened with, I mean, yours yeah. and then a couple girls in my twin group also. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and yeah. it is. And What's it, in the water? And I know. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> but you don't know. It's interesting that you've been, you're talking about this sort of like, uh, I, I guess, unusual, you know, bit here about the identicals. Because, yeah, in my case, um, I had, ident- well, we now know they're identicals. But during the pregnancy, they were treated as fraternal yeah. twins. They yeah, weren't. So they're here. the separate sacs. And from what I guess I, we were told is that they the separate uh, placentas had fused together. Mm-hmm. So that was the view. So I actually don't know if they shared a placenta or if they were right. two placentas so, I mean, fused. If, and mine to, were totally separate. I so mean, to they go were into, not even right, close. <laughs> into your story and, yeah. and the splitting of the egg, the important part is that the egg splits so early on yeah. that the placenta split as well. Yeah. So if there's if they're identical twins um, with two separate placentas, then yes, even though they're quote-unquote identical, you can manage them yeah. as so fraternal the, because the the crux of the story or the important part is, is a, that placenta. Right. And I had the Dymo 
that was split so late that all we saw was a membrane that was, I called it my spider web. <laughs> it was so thin that it actually wasn't discovered in the early part of the pregnancy. Wow. Um, despite high-level perinatology mm-hmm. care and sure. ultrasound um, videos and everything else. But yeah. So I had what you're discussing every two-week monitoring with my Dymo identicals. And then yep. the second pregnancy with the fraternals, we got to space <laughs> yeah. them out a lot more. <laughs> we did yeah. have a little bit more... Um, Sawyer, my baby B, he had velamentous cord insertion, mm-hmm. um, which means the cord inserts on the side of the placenta, like into the... So we they were more closely monitored for growth because it can cause concerns. But miraculously, he turned out the exact same size yeah. as his brother. Oh, which right. just, again, goes to, you know, the importance of early ultrasound. Yeah. Um, I just, as a perinatologist, <laughs> I can't stress that enough for twin pregnancies because it just makes everything so much easier down the road instead of seeing, you know, a twin mom no for the first time exactly at like you know 24 weeks and you're sitting there hemming and hawing trying to figure out are they identical are they not you know what do you do <laughs> I know I have a friend right now who's seeing midwives and she won't have her first ultrasound until 20 weeks and I'm like are you sure you don't want to just check to make sure <laughs> there's not two are you sure it could be two well and I actually <laughs> have a question you're giving me palpitations <laughs> <laughs> and that, actually I have a question for the doctor about that if someone is desiring midw- midwifery care mm-hmm. is, that how, is that the correct yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. um and they find out they're having twins, is it sort of a, a standard of practice that the midwives will not treat them? Or is it a patient preference? Or does it go, go back to the almighty depends on how the how the pregnancy right, is going? Right, right. Yeah. Who, who does the delivery? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're speaking to a very biased person here <laughs> now. I mean, from a, you know, not only an OB, but a perinatologist, you know, where unfortunately I see the worst of the worst. Yeah. And so hence kind of my bias towards... hospital deliveries at least you know I think if you're having a midwife I think that's absolutely perfect but my preference with twins is a hospital setting rather than some hospitals have their own rules about that is yeah I mean some some hospitals will will have midwives I mean where where I trained we had a huge midwifery practice that delivered tons of babies and there's nothing wrong with that it's it's wonderful it's hard to find midwives that will take patients who are pregnant with twins because there's um it's a higher risk Mm -hmm. um and so it becomes a like a liability for the practice because I had to hear I had well I mean you know you have to manage your risks and benefits and so I had looked into wanting um, midwife care and Mm -hmm. the midwives at my hospital don't take twin patients um, and they don't do twin deliveries in the birth center there and that's pretty common Um, just because you know you really want to be have that monitoring and just be somewhere in case you know the worst just like for me example I had a completely normal like un boring twin pregnancy <laughs> um, and it could have been a really boring delivery except for the babies got stuck and you know it, it was good that I was in the best place for that to happen mm-hmm. you know that you have that hospital right there and especially with how early twins are yeah. born sometimes well and I have so. to say I thoroughly enjoyed all of the ultrasound pictures I got to take home that's so right, too. I would highly recommend a perinatologist mm-hmm. that's <laughs> right yeah. I have a stack it's like I know. <laughs> what do you do we do it? love to scan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no I mean in terms of delivery though I mean, now I, I know like in, in my case, um, so I was seeing my OB and I was getting those, well, in my case, it was just every month going mm-hmm. to the perinatal center. Um, and because I guess that's because everyone thought it was their fraternal. But um, but so I said, well, does that mean that the perinatologist is going to make the delivery? And they said, no, no, no. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's your OB. Everything's normal. So I said, okay, that's that's cool. I mean, and, and for me, I, that felt good because, you know, I was 
trying to create my birth plan and right. you know and I felt like you know I had a little bit more time to sort of you know chat and you know that sort of thing with her so I, I don't know I mean now now you know Dr. Adamzak I mean like out of all your patients I mean how many do you do deliveries I mean so our practice in general um, perinatologists as a specialty in and of itself is really ultrasound and consultative. Mm -hmm. So we don't do too many deliveries. We will take on kind of total care private patients. Mm -hmm. Um, When either a general OB says, hey, listen, this is just too complicated. You know, the twins have a growth discordance or something is going on. Um, So we'll take on those types of twins or we will take on pregnancies. You know, if let's say, God forbid, in your first pregnancy, you had some complication and then you were a, a perinatal patient and then you got pregnant again. And, you know, you do have that continuity of care. And we, you know, as as docs, we like that, too. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll take on um, pregnancies from that perspective. But in general, you don't need a perinatologist to deliver you. OK, well, that's I mean, that's that's good to know. So so if we have a relationship with a midwife or an OB, then it's really sounds like we just have to you know talk to them and see if they're comfortable doing that and find out about the hospital well, policy. I was going to say, right. I will say that the hospital where Shelly and I delivered, uh, they have hospital lists. So your OB doesn't even deliver you unless they happen well. to be on staff at the hospital that mm-hmm. particular day. Mm-hmm. So you go in. So they're on call, right? No. Mm-hmm. No? No. <laughs> no, no, no. The hospital list is like basically somebody who is in the hospital from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Yeah, and it's, right. and then. That's their shift. It's That's all their they shift. do yes. every yeah. day, there, day There are day perinatologists out. on call. Um, mm-hmm. For example, my perinatologist delivered my sister-in-law's baby. <laughs> Not mine. Because <laughs> he was on call and she was, when she was there. Um, yeah, they but, do rotations. Yeah, through. they do rotations mm-hmm. through. But yeah, it's all. Um, it's you know it's a big teaching hospital so right. it was a different concept from what I had ever heard of before which is the only reason I wanted to mention it here because I know other other women listening may have a different situation I, I was shocked that my own OB and then perinatologist yeah. neither of them would likely be the one delivering my children that is one of the nice things about having a cesarean <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying because I started out with having an OB um, that delivered my last son and I just loved her and I was heartbroken I, I, she told me I had to go see a perinatologist but she's like with any luck you'll be back to see me and you know I can just treat you so I didn't think it was a big deal I thought this was just one appointment to see the perinatologist and then I go in to see her and um, luckily I, I just loved her I loved her just as much as my OB and we get along really great but she's like oh yeah you're not going back to your OB <laughs> oh my gosh oh yeah she's like no, 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 you're just with me, you know, and then every two week appointments and stuff. And she is doing the C-section. But again, it's a scheduled thing. Even you know? a scheduled C-sections at our particular hospital is not yeah. likely with and, your doctor. And you no. never know. I mean, so I had an emergency C-section. So I had a doctor in there with me who was taking me into the operating room. And then a more emergent situation came up. And my doctor left. I couldn't. I mean, the doctor who did my C-section, I couldn't even pick her out of a lineup. <laughs> I, don't even, I honestly don't know. But, but you know, for me, it was that I had the same nurses there. You know, the nurse yeah. that was there before the C-section was there after. I saw the same staff. I had the same. So for me. And, you know, but you, when you go to a big hospital, you kind of get. I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. I found you, a lot of benefits to it. That you get comfortable This is what they do all day, day in, day out. Yeah. They didn't just come from a consult or an office visit with someone who was 13 weeks pregnant. Yeah. They, they're, they're delivering babies. Yeah. every single day all day and I, f- I found great comfort and I loved the level of care I got so yeah it's it, it it's really not uh, oh 
kind of situation. <laughs> so, I mean, that sounds like, you know, it's something that looking at birth plans is like, okay, you know, do I want to have the, you know, uh, delivery with my OP? And if it's at some crazy time in the morning, um, how's that going to factor in? Or, you know, maybe I can just plan and it's, it's almost more predictable if you're okay having somebody else that you don't know, but then they're there, they're available. You're, n- you're not waiting. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, that's Always ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know what the situation is, mm-hmm. for sure. Know how that particular office mm-hmm. does things. Excellent. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. Uh, Today, we're with Dr. Joanna Adam-Dack talking about what we can expect in prenatal care with twin pregnancies and how they're different from singleton pregnancies. I know one of the things we tend to look at um, is diet. A lot of people sometimes assume that, oh, if I have two, then okay, I'm going to be, should be eating for three, but maybe that's not the case. What are some of the recommended you know, dietary changes and, and, you know, do pregnant twin mamas get referred to dietitians or how does that work? Well, pregnant twin uh, moms have a higher rate of gestational diabetes. Um, Surprising, Sunny, that you didn't get it this time. So congratulations (laughs) to you. Um, You know, and when there is a diagnosis of gestational diabetes, we absolutely always refer to a nutritionist to kind of go over um, glycemic uh, index, how many uh, sugars a pregnant mom can have, and basically what are, you know, good sugars versus bad sugars. So um, sugars that are broken down very quickly, you know, just the kind of the bad sugars, white breads and so on and so forth versus things that stay in your body longer. So we will um, refer to nutritionists in that perspective. But in general, twin moms um, should increase their their diet a little bit. Um, They should eat more kind of balanced diets with more um, fruits and leafy greens. A lot of times your your iron levels decrease, so eating more, you know, spinach type of vegetables is is important because it will increase your iron counts and you don't want to be taking iron pills if you uh, don't have to. Well, and I get constipated. Yes. <laughs> I am taking two iron pills a day. Oh, yes. I'm glad I haven't had the constipation issue. You are so Knock not on. Everything about her I, pregnancy I didn't is have that making me jealous. <laughs> I, t- I took the pills and I didn't have that issue. Yeah. I had, it was awful. It was probably my worst pregnancy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so in other words, your choice is take pills, maybe constipated, or eat spinach. <laughs> or eat spinach. Hey. Right. <laughs> we like that. I go for the spinach. <laughs> Some of the differences too, comparing, you know, twin pregnancies to um, singletons. I know we're earlier we we're talking about just all the ultrasounds. Um, so and I think you'd mentioned that the um, if if we're going to a perinatologist center, there's usually um, much more detailed equipment that's available and you're doing a much more detailed form of ultrasound. Um, So, I mean, what's the purpose of those detailed ultrasounds and and what are you actually um, looking at? Great question. So in the beginning, um, the first 
part of the ultrasound, we really look to see what kind of a twin pregnancy is it is. Then when we do the actual detailed anatomy ultrasound, we look at pretty much anything that you can think of. Um, the baby's brain, the baby's heart, uh, kidneys, stomach, um, bones, pretty much every part of the anatomy. And that gives us clues as to um, the well-being of the baby and also whether there are any... Um, chromosomal abnormalities, which unfortunately with twin pregnancies um, are a little bit increased. So that initial anatomy ultrasound uh, looks at that. And then as the uh, gestation progresses, we do ultrasounds to look at the growth of the babies. So twin uh, pregnancies are at a higher risk for what's called um, IUGR, so intrauterine growth restriction, um, because the placenta sometimes can outgrow its blood supply and the baby doesn't get enough nutrients. So we'll do these ultrasounds to measure the growth of the kiddos and make sure that everybody is growing um, proportionally to each other and proportionally to how far along in the pregnancy you are, you know, 30 weeks, 32 weeks, whatever it happens to be. And and I think you, you mentioned so there it's it's all a different approach too if it's an the mono 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 or mono die or fraternal Correct. I mean so you're looking you're definitely looking for different things so. yeah you're looking for different things you're you know um, you're in each type of twin pregnancy you're always looking at the growth but you're also looking um, as Brandy had mentioned earlier twin to twin transfusion right. um, with the mono dyes right and fluid right <laughs> we, we look for lots of fluid uh, pockets around the babies what does that mean for a, twi- a mom with dimas so fluid is kind of one of our best predictors if there is a uh, development of kind of a uh, unequal sharing of blood supply of the babies. Uh, fluid in general, whether it's a twin pregnancy or a singleton pregnancy, is a good kind of surrogate marker for placental well-being. So if your placenta is healthy, it's supplying enough blood to the baby. The baby is then supplying enough blood to the kidneys. And with kidneys, then you pee. And amniotic <laughs> fluid is essentially baby pee. And so my babies are peeing a lot. There you go. Good babies. <laughs> you know, the kiddos are, are smart inside. So just like all of us, when we're sick, our bodies uh, preferentially shunt blood to the most important parts of our of our bodies your heart and your head your kidneys unfortunately are not very important and so when there's low fluid that can be a sign or a clue that you know something is going on with the pregnancy with the placenta and so looking at fluid volumes as brandy had said is very very important in both types of twins but especially in mono dye and um and i guess i know you guys have had uh, a lot of different tests as well i'm looking over here at, at sunny and so, and you're getting these yeah. every every couple weeks every as two well. Weeks, every two weeks, looking for the fluid, um, also measuring the babies to make sure one isn't much bigger than the other, and, and both are within normal ranges, you know. Um, and then the other thing that's different with this is um, after my perinatologist does all of that, then there's also the vaginal exam the, the with the wand. I don't know what it's called. The transvaginal yes. probe. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, just to check out the cervix and Correct. make sure that, you know. It's nice and long. That's it's nice and long. Yes. She it's says, it's a, I have a beautiful cervix. Oh, yeah. I see that to my patients too. I'm like, oh, I bet you've never heard that before. <laughs> well, 
with beautiful, so beautiful with a singleton pregnancy. They don't, you don't. They only do cervix checks maybe towards the end to see if there's any chance that they're dilating at all. And so it was kind of funny for me um, talking to people who were pregnant with singletons because I had cervix checks up until 34, 30, 34 weeks, mm-hmm. and then I didn't get them anymore because mm-hmm. they, you know, they could already see what they needed to see and schedule that. And then my friends had the other, you know, they got the service cervix checks at the end. But yeah, you're looking for a nice long closed cervix. Yeah. So with singletons, we'll check a cervix once at about the 20-week scan. I mean, we'll check everybody's cervix at 20 weeks. IUGR, intrauterine growth restriction. Mm-hmm. What would what would it tell you if you saw that on an ultrasound? What would it? So IUGR, again, is, is really, it tells us that the placenta is not working well, that something is going on, whether it's the placenta that just sometimes didn't implant correctly, you know, as the pregnancy was developing early, early on, or, you know, it could be a marker that... Um, a mom has high blood pressure, has something called preeclampsia or gestational hypertension, which can affect the blood vessels in the placenta and then in turn um, affect the amount of blood going to the kiddo and babies are small and they're growth restricted. And so that becomes that becomes problematic. And what would you how would you treat? So it's really dependent on the gestational age. So the treatment really changes um if a pregnancy is greater than 34 weeks or less than 34 weeks. After 34 weeks, whether um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what type of twin pregnancy you are, if there is evidence of growth restriction, we um, may uh, talk about delivery options um, or we may talk about more intensive uh, surveillance, meaning in, in hospital admissions where we do instead of, you know, twice a week testing. We do daily testing to kind of show us if a baby is um, in any type of distress and that needs a delivery. But less than 34 weeks, we try to do everything possible to um, keep a mom pregnant as long, as long as possible. So long, yeah, long is good. Long is good. (laughs) Well, hey, thanks so much, Joanna, for joining us today. And for more information about prenatal care with twins or for more information about any of our experts or panelists, uh, visit our episode page on our website. And this conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. And after the show, uh, Dr. Adamzak will talk about when twin moms should start discussing birth plans with their provider. For more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, twintalks.com. So we have uh, a question from one of our listeners came in on our Facebook page. This is uh, Shelly from Arizona. She says, my twins share the same placenta, and I was told that there is risk of twin-to-twin transfusion. What exactly is that? Uh, hi, Shelly. I'm Sean Donishman. I'm a perinatologist at the San Diego Perinatal Center. Uh, excellent question. So when your babies share one placenta, and about 10 to 15% of the time, they are at an increased risk of developing twin-twin transfusion syndrome, and that's when... These pumpkins are, when they're sharing the same placenta, they share blood vessels as well. And if one baby gives more blood to the other that's receiving back, that that can cause twin-twin transfusion syndrome. The management of this depends on the timing of diagnosis. So if this, if twin-twin transfusion is suspected, for example, at 16 weeks, then this uh, requires usually surgery. So you will be referred uh, by your obstetrician to a perinatologist, and the perinatologist will refer you to uh, fetal surgery centers, for example, in Los Angeles or San Francisco uh, or in Florida. And what they do, the best treatment for this is laser treatment. So there are different stages of twin-twin transfusion syndrome depending on what they see um, 
Remember again, if one baby is giving more blood to the other, that baby gets smaller, that baby stops peeing, the bladder gets much smaller or non-existent, you can't see it. Uh, everything on ultrasound that's fluid-filled or blood-filled is dark. So if you don't see a dark spot in the, where we want to see the bladder and not much fluid, and we see this baby much smaller than the other, or at least starting to show that, we suspect twin-twin transfusion. So depending on, for example, the bladder, the fluid, the, what the blood flow looks like within the umbilical cord as it's going from baby to placenta, these pumpkins may need surgery to cauterize uh, the uh, communicating vessels, so it allows for both babies to be growing well. Um, if the diagnosis is made, for example, at 32 weeks, so much later, the treatment is much easier. You get delivered, you get prepped, you get betamethasone to perk up our baby's lungs, and you get delivered earlier. Your doctor is right, and this is something that they look for. That's why you're going to have very frequent ultrasounds every two weeks looking for this and looking for just signs of potential growth restriction in one of your angels. So that wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Twin Talks and join in on the discussion by posting your comments on the Twin Talks Facebook page or calling our voicemail at 619-866-4775. And don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for expecting parents and the boob group for moms who breastfeed their babies and Parent Savers, an online support group for new parents. And next week, we'll get tips from getting your newborn twins to sleep. This is Twin Talks, parenting times two. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.